Brandon uh, Brandon Herrera, AK guy. He's like, <laughs> I was texting him. I was like, dude, you keep emailing me. Like you're emailing me so much because he's running for Congress. I'm like, did you see the message below? I hope you did. There's less than 48 hours left. <laughs> I was like, Brandon, thanks for emailing me so much, man. Like you're a fucking <laughs> awesome friend. Like I'll talk to you more this yeah this year. And then he's like, dear patriot, our rights are in jeopardy. That's what he just texted me. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. He's fucking hilarious. God, we need a fucking, we need a guy like that. He's going to start talking to you like that all the time now. Yeah. yeah. All his text messages are, dear patriot. Dear, dear patriot. Like That's what I want my, my, my friends to run for, that run for office. I want them to just start talking to me like they're fucking bullshit emails. <laughs> when you donate one campaign like you're fucked you're fucked you're mm -hmm. fucked I, I i literally had to get rid of my other phone because i was like i'm tired of this because it oh. doesn't it doesn't matter like you say stop it doesn't fucking end like it just goes on like you would think that they you would think that they would be able to like get fucking sued for that shit well you gotta like you have access like i've tried to get access to these guys they'll take your money and then you know because we're fighting for for gun rights for our company's mm -hmm. rights and they don't well they just tried to get, shut our internet down again or like a few weeks ago website no they tried to shut our um usps postage off yeah why because we're evil company. you're not a firearms company that's what i told them right <laughs> we make we make I'm an like, inert dear, object but. dear yeah. dummy dear <laughs> government <stupid> idiot <laughs> let's start this the right way yeah. dear stupids <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's what we used to be tracked as essentially like rockets. If we were trying to export anything overseas, it was like you treated us as we were exporting like ICBMs. It's ridiculous. Are you about ready or what, motherfucker? Jesus Christ. Oh, are, are we recording? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Welcome to the show. So, Thanks, man. Thanks for yeah, having yeah. us. I mean, how long have we known each other? You know him the longest. Yeah, four years, the, five years, five years. Five years since you, yeah. you guys moved in next door. When I was, I was literally a running joke with my wife. Like, I knew I was going to move in there. There's going to be fucking flags. Yeah. Um, they're going to hate me. It was like <laughs> yeah. this running joke, and then I get a text. I saw a lady get out of the car and she had a black rifle coffee hat. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, thank God. Because like immediately. It, yeah. It's like, it's like an immediate qualification for people because you're like, oh, at least I know this person isn't a total loon. Because yeah. where we live, where, where we lived in Salt Lake, it's like rainbow flags every third <clears throat> house. So we were, it's definitely a, a specific type of individual, which I think was, it's pretty funny because I've told this story a couple times on the show where like we went to a, was it you and I we went to that Halloween party Yeah, yeah. and like all the neighbors were there in there introducing each other by pronouns or whatever. I can't remember exactly the circumstance, yeah. but then when we started talking, cause this was right during COVID. It was right before right. COVID. And they were asking us like, how do you buy a gun? <laughs> <laughs> and like, how do, not only how do you buy a gun, but yeah, hey, I have a generator in my house. Like, you know, I mean, hey, stock up on food, neighbor, because I'll be knocking on your door if things go real south. And they're just like, mm, oh. I'll stock up on food. Don't take it, please. I would have been a great seed sorter back in the day. Yeah, if we were in hunter-gatherer times, I would have been a good gatherer. You guys would have been the hunters. 
they're not trying to buy guns anymore. No. They're back to evil again. Yeah. They're they back, back to wearing masks. Yeah. I mean, that was – I was in California for 10 years via Illinois. I grew up in Illinois, and so I was moving to Utah. This is going to be great. Yeah. Like-minded people. Got to Salt Lake City. I'm like, oh, where, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> like, what, what happened? Like, these people don't think like, like I do. No. No. Nice people, but – Yeah. But, you know. Some of it was so stupid, though, because I was coaching wrestling during COVID, and it was like, we're supposed to coach wrestling where you're like face to face with the dude and they're like, oh yeah, you have to have masks on while you do it. I'm like, I'm rolling around with this person. Like, Are you I, serious? Oh yeah. They were like the, the admin for the school, if they came in and they didn't see us in a mask, they were just like, what are you doing? Put your mask up. I'm like, I'm rolling around on a mat with them, sweating my nuts off. Like it's not going to work. Where were you teaching wrestling? West High. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah just uh, coaching the wrestling team for three it's years. It's weird because he never wrestled. He's just some yeah, yeah. rolling around with boys. So weird. He just show up at the high school. And, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I know a thing or two. Hey, hey guys, I'm over yeah. here at the impromptu <laughs> wrestling. Like, <laughs> here comes that guy again, wanting to wrestle with us. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> this is baseball practice, dude. You got to get out of here. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a good start. Yeah. So it, it was so weird. Like then, then my wife texted me again. It's like I, I talked to her. her. Name's Kate, and they own Black Rifle Coffee. And I was like, oh, th- this is this is the best thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> like someone that actually gets me. Somebody that gets me. Yeah, I know. I've told that story. I don't know how many times. Where I'm like, it's like the winning the neighbor lottery because yeah, he, you know his your your daughter and my daughter became friends or the same age. We're basically, you know, sharing the same backyard and we, we could like co-lament over everything that was happening at the same time. Also, we just started fucking, you know, talking about ammunition like right away because of Alpha. I mean, how old was Alpha then? Two years? Two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. Three years. Yeah. Yeah, When did you start it? It's the same time Black Rifle. So was it 15? You guys started 15? 14. Yeah. Yeah. It was 15. Yeah. So. My first transaction was 15. I started it at 14. So it's almost 10 years old to the date. Okay. That's kind of where we were at. I think we, we yeah. founded right around 14. Because yeah, I was still in grad school when we founded. Yeah. And then and 15, 15, we moved out to Ogden and started it up in Ogden. Yeah. Why did you guys decide Utah? Because it's a cool state. We worked with a um, – there's a manufacturing specialty company out here that does, like, manufacturing <coughs> equipment. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they do – what I say is they do the up and down of the presses and all that. And we we, we went to work with them uh, to help design the initial machines. And then we took it over and did all the tooling ourselves. And so we were talking about moving back to Colorado because um, I, I was in Colorado before this. And um, it was getting a little too blue, I think. And yeah. uh, we just liked it here. We like the mountains and everything, the lifestyle. And so we stuck around and stayed We talk about it all the time. It's like quality – life yeah where you can get outdoors here in 20 minutes you're almost off the grid Mm -hmm. but you got an international airport 20 minutes away so trying to find that location we we scoured the country and obviously we had to be in a a two-way friendly state right yeah I, i always classify this as like the walmart of states you know it's it's super convenient yeah yeah what 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 is the like what what is the selling point of Utah? It's like, it's convenient. Mm-hmm. It's the, the mountains aren't the best. Mm-hmm. They're not the best. But they're right um, there. But they're right there. They're right there. Uh-huh. They're right there. Uh, Moab's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. it's right there. Mm-hmm. You know, Arches, all that. This is <clears throat> Delta Hub in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. It's right here. Bang. Yep. Like it's, it is 
a wonderful state full of incredible people, and it's really fucking convenient. Until the air quality sucks. Salt Lake, yeah, winters suck. Yeah, that's yeah, the bad part. Just, like, like, if we could fix that, that would be incredible. But, you know the Mexican government wants they have the same thing down in Mexico because it's kind of in a valley and in Mexico City. Mexico City's horrible. Yeah, and they 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 thought they're all their genius. They were just like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna get a bunch of helicopters and they would just fly helicopters up and down to try and like rotate I mean, the air. That like sounds a fan. logical to me. It was a legit plan. Do they I'm not like, understand like yeah, no, no, particulate? They no, like, they don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That's a real thing. Even I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to discourage them because you gotta watch that happen. Yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah, watch it unfold. It's like they're just like it's just like a big blend. It's yeah. like an air yeah. blender, just like going up and down, <laughs> stirring up the shit. Uh, so explain to me, and I think this is pretty interesting because like we've been talking a lot about precision shooting and like how there are all these parallels in coffee. But like one, I think PRS needs uh, to be mentioned here because I think it's like such an important piece of mm -hmm. what you guys do and how you guys do it. Like let's unpack that mm -hmm. for me for for. As long as you want, really. Like, what is PRS? Like, what's 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 it all about? Yeah, it's pre precision rifle series, and and it's it's an actual series, but now it's actually become a um, what you call any sort of long range precision shooting competition. So, um, it's you know the best of the best of the entire firearms industry, mm -hmm. the best rifles, the best actions, the best components, the best optics, <clears throat> and you're competing in one to two day matches probably 10 to 20 stages, depending mm -hmm. on the match. And it's mainly focused on positional shooting. Mm -hmm. So you got to build a position with a rifle and ranges, say, from 400 yards to a mile. So it starts at 400 and then it can push out to a mile. Push out to a mile. You get some you have one. Do you have like one rifle that you can use or can you switch them out and use different calibers and do whatever the fuck you want? It's not like golf where you can pick up like, hey, this is my... I want this club. Yeah, no. Yeah. You, you kind of... If your rifle goes down, you have the opportunity to go like fix it, switch it out, and right. come back into the competition. But pr pretty much you take one rifle and you shoot it through the whole match. Um, and that's the, the cool thing with the, the calibers they use is they're so versatile. Um, like the the six dash, I think you shot yeah. Tommy's, right? It's this little tiny case, but shit, you'll shoot that out to a mile, no problem. And people will look at that and be like, what do you mean you don't need a 338? It's like, no, you just need this little six mil and it's going right. to hammer. It's all about consistency, like we were talking about. Yeah, so where did that... Like from the round development of the PRS, like where mm. did they start and where do they come today? Because, like, I see all these different what we'll, we'll call variants. Wildcats is what the like within industry is what they call them. Wildcats, right? And so I, I, you know, we precision shooting goes back like quite quite a ways, and it was mainly done. Most of it was out of a company called Lapua in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, they they started with the most popular one is the BR family of cases. Like there's a case called the six BR and everyone's taken that and done like the six BRA, the six BRX, the what's BR stand for? Bench rest. Bench rest. So oh, okay. there's a shooting discipline where you, you sit on a bench with the heaviest rifle that you can like 60 pound gun. You can't pick that thing up and you're shooting, you're shooting 600 yards to a thousand yards. And so like, for example, we hold the world record now with our brass. It was a thousand yard group at I think 2.64 inches, 10 shots. What caliber? It was a six BRA. Six. What's BR? What's the A? So the A A stands for Ackley. So um, there's an individual P.O. Ackley back. Uh, I think what was he like in the 40s to 60s? He was super famous, I think. Yeah. Um, but he used to take cases, and the this is gets way too complicated. No, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> this is great. So when you look at shoulder angles in the front of the case, right? right? So you have like your old school traditional cases, like your 308 is a 20 degree shoulder. 
And then you go to your creed mores, they're 30 degree shoulders. And so what this guy was doing, he was actually improving them where he would bump it to a 40 degree shoulder. So a really steep shoulder. Right. And so if you look at how like the jetting of the gas is coming through, it like really concentrates and hits hard. And naturally they've just become more, they're more accurate cases. And um, there's probably some more science behind it, but. So if you have that, we'll say, I guess less of an angle to the shoulder. Is that right or more? Uh, uh, it's so. Where's it 20, measured? Where's it measured from? Is it both measured angles the, of the shoulder. So, so twenty angle. degree is like this, uh-huh. 30, 40. Okay. So it's get, get a little flatter. So that shoulder becomes flatter. So you have a forty degree angle on your shoulder, and you're telling me that you can actually increase the accuracy of the bullet based on pressure. Well, it's. I don't know if you could necessarily say it's the accuracy of the bullet or is it velocity you get better it, it it produces more consistent results and why I, I, that's a hard, that's a good question um i think it's because of how the uh, the pressure actually forms in the case and jets out down through the barrel um and you'll see too when you have like a like a 308 with a 20 degree shoulder you'll have much better barrel life out of that gun because you're not getting that um venturian and that actual force like it's like a end of a hose right yeah if you have it wide open it's just flowing out like nothing and you start to pinch it off you're getting more pressure through it and more right. force through it and so uh, a lot of times like your your 308s will last ten thousand rounds for a barrel whereas if you go to these competition rounds like most guys are switching them out between 15 to two thousand, and that barrel's done and they're just like now you could still hunt with it but it's not a so you're measuring round. so so if you take um if you take something with like a a 20 degree shoulder and a 40 degree shoulder, mm-hmm. exact caliber, exact load, everything else the same. And you measure against you velocity at the- Yeah, velocities will be different. Velocities, like how much? Are well, you talking about a 10% variable or what? what so you, you got to also, you do have to change your powder drop up just a little bit because you've got more, one of the things when you actually improve it, you get more powder capacity because you're p- pushing that shoulder forward, right? So you get more powder capacity, so you put more powder in it. Um, so you can get higher velocities with it typically. Um, but I mean- We've shot like your six BR shoots just as good as some guys. The really nitpicky guys will get better accuracy out of a BRA, um, but there's a lot of different. What's the factors. difference between BR BRA? Uh, it's just a forty degree shoulder. Just shoulder. So, okay, so <clears throat> the the BR is thirty. Is mm-hmm. that what you said? Yep. And then the BRA is forty. Forty. Yeah. So you, that's how crazy this 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 industry is. They just make those little changes. But there, it, more importantly, is is the efficiency of the actual case. So some cases like the BR with a 30 degree shoulder, it, they're incredibly just naturally efficient cases. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, they're much easier to load. They're much easier to tune. Um, you know, none of these rifles, none of our customers are, are buying factory ammo. They're, they're, they're dialing these things in perfect. So we call them modern cartridges and where a 308, you got to seat that bullet way into the case yeah. to be able to still feed it in the mag. You look at the Creedmoor, well, they shorten that. Yeah. So you can run a much higher, we call it ballistically coefficient bullet that's longer. And now you're bucking the wind better, your drops right. less. So there's this kind of revolution going on right now in. in, in and it's a combination of the two. The, the, the bullet had to come, right? Because the, the, the 308, the old school 308 bullets sucked. And they, they were short, stubby rounds. And then yeah. they were like, oh, we're going to make this longer. We're going to make it sleeker. It's going to fly better through the air. And so with that, they, they were like, okay, let's change the case design because you couldn't get, you couldn't maximize the capacity or efficiency of that case using those longer bullets trying to fit in a mag. So it's, you know, chicken before the egg. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're, so when you, when you think about PRS and you think about the development of the rounds in like the six, five, six, whatever it is, the dasher, right? Mm-hmm. The dasher round. Who came up with that and why? So that's what's crazy. So these will be a guy at home tinkering. Yeah. And he wants to win. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, 
create a reamer, which actually cuts the chamber. I'm gonna mm -hmm. draw this thing out, design this thing completely custom. I'm gonna take a piece of brass that doesn't look like I want it to look like, but I'm gonna shoot it until it forms into that chamber. And then I'm gonna do that 500 times over, and then I'm gonna go shoot a competition with it and see how it does. And usually it's someone that hates their life or wife and just sits in their basement and shoots all the time. <laughs> they're, 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 that's like what we talked about. They're just obsessive people. And it's, right. it, whatever they do, they're gonna be obsessed with. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the, 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 the parallels we were talking about between coffee and, and shooting. Right. So those then all of a sudden become some, you know, the guy next to him gets beat and he's like, well, what, what's that? Yeah, what is it? I want that. And how I, many guys are shooting PRS right now, do you think? Internationally, <clears throat> how do you think the community? How, how big do you think the community is? It's it's in the discipline now. It's thirty four countries, so it's one of the fastest growing shooting sports in the world. Because mm -hmm. so I think in the U S. If you look at two day matches, I don't know, two three thousand, but then you look at one day matches, which are happening all over the country constantly. You know, twenty thirty thousand maybe. I don't know what mm -hmm. the actual numbers yeah, are. Yeah. Tell me how that that's that's designed because you have region, you have state, you have a bunch of different the way that this is broken down. I think it's important for people to know because I want them to try to get involved in it. Mm -hmm. Like I want them to try to like go out and check out a match, mm -hmm. you know, like try it on for size, see how it fits. Because I think it's a really cool activity for for vets and for other dudes just to be like, yo, I'm gonna go out on this this weekend, shoot my rifle, meet a bunch of other guys that are doing the same kind of thing because. Like the shooting sports just in general, they're dying, right? Like we mm -hmm. know they're dying. Here's one sport that's actually growing. It's mm -hmm. really cool. It's heavy equipment based, which is if you're a gearhead, dude. Oh, you go down the rabbit hole good, fast. There's nothing. Good like luck. It. Yeah. You think, you think, luck. You think yeah. golf is expensive? Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, if you buy a golf course, maybe. <laughs> yeah. If you buy a golf course. Or you know they have those in-home uh, oh simulators yeah, yeah yeah do you have one no no I had a funny story I had a girlfriend in high school her dad had one and yeah, we used to go play on it sometimes that thing is awesome like yeah. I would actually probably play golf if I had one of those things I'd be like this is cool man yeah, I got this thing in my basement I'm gonna fucking hit balls that's great yeah it's a great idea I should get one for the shop <laughs> you should just get a shooting version of it though. I know right? indoor shooting range yeah well they have them for for archery why can't we have them for a long distance shooting yeah. I, my, my point in this is, I think it, talking about PRS, talking about your guys' company, talking about accuracy just in general, mm -hmm. like how do people get involved in this? Like just go to the, the website, PRS. Just go to the PRS website yeah. and you can find all local matches. You can, so it, it's very simple. You can pay to be scored. I think it's a couple hundred bucks. Right. And then they'll actually track your score against all right. other shooters around the country. Or you don't have to pay. And then your scores aren't tracked and you just go shoot it for fun. Okay. So... It's um, it's it's very simple. And there's matches going on in every single state, every single weekend. And the people are great. Like that's one of the big things about the shooting sport community is that you know what I became really good friends with my buddy Mike Keenan. Like we were at a match and my rifle goes down, the trigger breaks, and he's just like, "Oh, dude, here's my twelve thousand dollar rifle with a Schmidt and Bender and like right. all this other stuff on it." He's like, "Use it and my like, ammo and everything." Yeah, right here because yeah. my ammo might not work for his gun, and so it was like. He's like, here, take everything. Because I, I bring a backup when I go shooting. Right. Um, but yeah, you go to a match, they'll be like, oh, you need a rangefinder. Oh, you need to borrow my optics. Like right. you don't, you know, you've got a Vortex. I've got a Swaro, like whatever you say, Leica. Um, and so they'll just give it to you. Um, right. And they'll be like, use it. Let's figure it out. And one of the other sports that I think is a really good one to mention is the NRL Hunter stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, um, you're a big hunter and hunting pressure is increasing a lot. And people take all this time off of work to go hunt. And it's like, how do I increase my likelihood of success? It's like, learn to shoot. Learn to shoot. Yeah. And like with the bows, we talk about this. It's like guys will go out and shoot their bow every day. Every day. Get every day. ready. 
And it's like, why aren't people doing that with their rifles? How, how why it's, is there? It's hard, dude. Like, I mean, it's hard. I, I mean, I'm not yeah. defending it. I'm just saying like, it's hard to, it's hard I, to find I can shoot my bill in my backyard. Yeah. yeah. I can shoot in my basement. Mm-hmm. But you it's can. It's hard to shoot that fucking rifle. In you could do trigger pulling though. And that's the most important part. 100%. But there's not no, as cool. It's not, there, there's no reward. Yeah. It's you like, don't I'm, when you're hitting a target, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's like differentiating between sex and a strip club. Like, <laughs> fuck yeah. I yeah. mean, going to strip club is cool, but if you give me the option mm-hmm. to bang my wife, I'm going to take that one. Does that make sense? Because yeah. I get to hit a target. I get to measure for accuracy. Yep. I get to do all of the things versus like doing dime drills on my barrel, like doing dry fires. That, mm-hmm. that sounds painful to me. That, that's but honestly, that's, that's honestly bad. why if, if, you know, you, you look at, a lot of hunters, they'll pull the gun out of the safe. They'll take it to the range. They'll mm-hmm. shoot four rounds. Yeah. Same box of ammo from five years ago. And say, yeah. I'm dialed in. Where, why not go shoot a couple one-day matches? You're going to find every problem that you have. Every mm-hmm. issue that you have is going to be vetted out in a one-day match. Yep. 100%. The, the, the total archery <clears throat> challenge, there's like zero, zero doubt. Shooting one or two matches of, uh, of that, I guess, before leading into archery season for the fall it 100% improves my ability to kill animals, 100%. And you realize what you got to work on. You're like, oh, that high angle shot, I wasn't as good. I didn't have this level correctly or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I, I think it's coming. I think people are starting to learn it's about coming. it. It's coming. The military is now heavily involved. Actually, this is the first year the Army Marksmanship Unit won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, seriously? Which is yeah. very cool. Wow, so, I didn't know yeah. that. They're good shooters. They won the entire NRL? Uh, PRS. Oh, PRS, got mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yep, so... You, you, you go there and you start to realize what actually really matters in long range yeah. shooting. Recoil. Um, so you start to maybe think, well, maybe do I need to shoot that huge long action? Right. Or can I go with a smaller cartridge with a more ballistically efficient bullet and watch that bullet right. impact? Now I can make a correction instantly. Right. So you, you start to realize it really quick. My favorite thing to do is we'll go out to our local range here, Lee K. And you, you always do these race guns. Lee K? BK shooting range. Oh yeah, okay. Right down the road. Yeah, and these these guns we use these race guns. They're very they're very noticeable. So right. you'll, you'll see you'll see the guy kind of out of the corner eye looking at it. Yep. And they got the old school, you know, thirty out six, no muzzle break, pencil and, barrel, pencil barrel. And you, you catch him kind of looking, and you walk up and like, hey man, shoot it, shoot it, and they'll shoot. And you know we're talking, these rifles are capable of of, of tents. Accurately, mm-hmm. so yeah. a, a tenth at a hundred yards, and they'll shoot the best group of their life without really changing anything. And then right. you, you just see the light bulb go off in their head. Like firearms have come a long way. Yeah, it's it, it's um it's fascinating to me that you have so many people that have <clears throat> invested a lot of money in their guns. Right, they have lots of different types of guns. I actually think that it's a waste of money. I think it's like you need to have a few different high quality guns. So it's quality over quantity mm-hmm. because, you know, a lot of people are, are, they'll go and they'll invest in four or five or six different pistols and they'll have like what we'll call it the, the, the Ruger P series or whatever mm-hmm. it is. No, just go out and spend a little bit more money, make some modifications or don't make any modifications, buy something stock out of the box and just spend a little bit more money and have less but have a higher quality item that's going to be less prone to break. It's going to be more accurate. You're going to have more fun with it versus P for plenty. Nah, yeah. it doesn't kind of work. I think, you know, firearms, which is a good lead into like who's dominating 
in that industry as far as barrel stock bolt like who are the best manufacturers in the industry out there it's it's all it's all smaller companies yeah so is ai do they still like manufacture ars are great rifles yeah they great rifles they have the most brand recognition i would say because of the military use of them you see mm-hmm. them a lot and people know of them but right. I, I wouldn't say it's probably four, you don't see them in competition four or five years ago you did but what's happened is this entire new market's arisen and you have all these new companies it's coming really about. So um, half the companies that, that even your rifle was built with, right. people never would have heard of them. But it's 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 just – there's very good factory guns. There's very good factory guns. Yeah, who's, who's got the best factory guns out there right now? That you're, from your position uh, and your subculture of people. I mean, you know, AI is probably the – it's kind gold, of a league of its standard. own for factory, but right. for moderately priced. I mean, Sika, uh, sorry, Tika yeah, and Tika. Tika Sako do a very good rifle. Seekins does great rifles. Se- yeah. I mean, Browning's coming out with a whole competition series. Seriously? And, yep. Huh. I might not have supposed to have said that. No, that's fine. I don't know. Fuck them. <laughs> um, um, Sako's coming out with a PRS oh, r- wow. rifles overseas. Right. So PRS just just this year is going to year that, that that it really takes off in Europe. Mm-hmm. So their matches now are selling out in hours. One of the most well known I think is the Ruger RPR. That's right. It's it's for the price it's a very good rifle. It's kind of 50-50 if it shoots good or not. But, but what's happened is you can now go, you know, kind of the arguably the center of the universe for this was was George Garner at GA Precision. And so now he's got his um, precision production rifle now. I think they're mm-hmm. 2500 bucks. It's a killer of a deal too. Seriously? For so basically basically a custom rifle. Yeah. So Prices are prices are coming down, and then you're seeing the. I mean, you look at it. You see, Daniel Defense came out with a bolt gun. Mm-hmm. Sig came out with a bolt gun. Mm-hmm. The, everyone's seeing where the market's going. As far as like you said, most of these shooting sports are dying. This is one that's that's growing rapidly. Well, I think part of the reason that these guys are coming out with bolt guns is because they see legislation, you know, on the horizon as to the limitation of the of the box fed capability or or. <clears throat> um, semi-auto so they actually have to be ahead of the competition from a bolt perspective because that might be the only thing left by the way we'd be crazy not to address that that's probably where like there's a huge section of this country where that's where they would like everybody to be they, they just want them all to be gone but they definitely if they can push legislation to eliminate semi-auto they'll do it yeah and I think we would be naive not to think that, that that could be on the horizon at some point in our lives. And I think a lot of these companies are like, we, we better diversify our, our product portfolio before something happens and we're caught flat-footed. I think bolt guns too, just in general, like <clears throat> as you're traveling around from state to state, like I don't fucking know. I, got, like, I don't know. If, depending on the... On the on the the color of the the Gavin Newsom's underwear is whether or not something's yeah. legal in that state that week. So it's like part of me is like shit. At least I know I'm like 50 state legal. I'm not going to get rolled up or somebody's going to have an issue. And two, I I take that bolt out. You know, I throw a rod down the barrel. I'm done. Like I rod it, mm-hmm. shoot it. Like it's easy to clean. It's easy to travel with. Its accuracy is, is it's accurately. I mean, to be fair, you guys built it, or you did, or you had it built. So that thing is. I just said I think I want. <laughs> this is what caliber I want. I want something that's 
the ultimate hunting rifle for essentially everything in the lower 48. Um, now with that round, which we'll go into, but this, this rifle I think is so important because we built it and I built it in six, five PRC six, five Creed is yep. like, so we can swap out the actual, <clears throat> the bolt and run it bolt and barrel. No bolt. Yeah. Post. That's it. Bolt and barrel. Yep. Bolt and barrel. Yep. And, but how did we determine what we wanted to put together on it? Like who are the manufacturers? Like, because I think it is important with this rifle. I literally shot that elk in the face <laughs> and from 103 and people can say whatever they want. You can talk all the shit they want. The government spent millions and millions of dollars on me. Like me shooting for accuracy offhand at a hundred yards is like putting on my fucking slippers in the morning. It's not that big of a deal. So yeah. it's like, and to be fair, it's one of the most ethical shots I've ever taken. Mm -hmm. He dropped like a sack of like wet trash and I mean, he's a beautiful elk. He was only giving me his head. I wasn't going to miss the opportunity. And I mean, I've, I've heard the, 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 the whiners and complainers and the guys saying like, you shouldn't be shooting elk with six, five Creed. I'm telling you right now that rifle and that round, we are 10 elk on the ground in 12 rounds. Yeah. 10 elk, 12 rounds. And these are very diverse shooters. So that's, you know, my dad, who's 77 this year, he shot an elk at, I believe it was 280 yards with a Seekins Precision 6.5 with that alpha round that you guys built the first mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. on, on sticks one and done and that elk dropped in less than 20 seconds basically in the same spot he was standing in i've watched a lot of elk die guys like and that's not some weird flex i've seen a lot of people put a lot of bullets in elk everything from 338 lapua mag where guys have put multiple rounds in it, like that's like a softball going through that thing, yeah. right? Or 300 ultras, mm -hmm. like you name it. When you have a good round and it's not just like a hard hitting round, because in some ways hard hitting rounds can be a little bit um, more stressful for the animal depending on where they are. But mm -hmm. if you don't have good shot placement, you're fucked. Yeah, like yep. it doesn't really matter. These are giant dinosaur like beings with swords on their heads. They they're used to like fighting each other and dodging mountain lions. If you don't have good round placement, good luck. Mm -hmm. Good luck finding the animal. You know, you just wasted your vacation. You just wasted your you know your the lead in for this as far as like your money and all the tags and everything else. Mm -hmm. So having high quality, not only gear that's one thing, but training, nothing can replace it. Yeah. Like. Getting out and shooting your rifles, making sure you got accurate shot placement will by far help you the most. But I've heard it, and I'm here to tell you, if you want to talk shit about 6.5 Creed and me not and me and a bunch of our other people putting elk on the ground with it, the proof is in the pudding. 10 elk, mm -hmm. 12 rounds, buck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Well, it's, you're comfortable shooting it, right? When you shoot that or a three three eight, you're like, I'm on this gun. I'm going to take that shot. I feel comfortable. The mm -hmm. sight picture's perfect. When you're on the three three eight, you're like, I'm going to pull oh, this trigger. God. It's going to fucking suck. And you're you're more anticipating. Yeah, you you want to put it, dude? I have a three three eight Lapua mag. I hate shooting that rifle. Yeah. I 
hate it. Yeah. It is it is the worst rifle mm-hmm. I have in my safe. I do not want to shoot it. I want to. I feel like I got to put a mouthpiece in when I fucking take it to the range. It's mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah. And then when you're on the animal, it's like where'd that bullet go? Do you even know you hit it? You had no idea if you hit it right because that recoil is coming up and you can't get back down and you have no idea where it runs and it's, well, it's I do, so yeah. And, and, and a lot of the, <laughs> 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 the trade. It depends on the training. Yeah, but a, a lot of the courses that that are offered for PRS shooters, they're now doing they're doing hunting courses too. Are and, they really? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And and so you go to like KM down in Tennessee and you can take hunting courses. You can take PRS courses. You'll learn more in two days from those guys. What's KM stand for? Do you know? Um. It was Kay and Morgan. It was two people that started it, but mm. right now it's owned by Shannon Kay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, one of our great friends, Brandon Hembry, mm-hmm. trains there. And so he was just telling me the other day, guys will show up with these huge magnums and they want to shoot for two days. And they'll shoot two hours and they're like, I'm done. Done. So he grabs their house guns, which are 6.5 Creedmoors. GA built. and GA built. <laughs> they're very high-end rifles. Mm-hmm. And so they go out and they shoot the rest of the weekend. And... Now they're watching that trace. So mm-hmm. if you can watch your trace and you become more precise with that bullet, would you rather would you rather hit with a, a lighter bullet or miss with a larger bullet? Well, yeah. The other piece is depending on the weight, and obviously this is this is just a, an equation, right? And you've probably drawn out the the equation on this multiple different times, depending on like cavitation is is a calculation. Mm-hmm. And so energy transfer is energy transfer. So if you have a smaller bullet and all the energy is essentially trans transmitted into the animal and it stays in the animal versus mm-hmm. departing energy outside of the animal is wasted. So when a round goes through the animal and into the ground, how much of the energy has actually been wasted from the lack of expansion in the round, depending on what, what you're using. So bu- bullets matter. Like Absolutely. when I say this, it's like, like we found out really, really fast, um, in the early days of Iraq, that green tip was horrible for for like engagements with people. Punch right it would through just them. punch right through them. Yeah, right. So holes. if you went with a different round that had you know a different type of capability, you could you could be much more effective at, at dispatching enemies. So when I look at the transference of energy from the from the bullet itself into the animal, it's like one: how rapid is it expanding? How is it expanding? You know depending on the on the weight and the size of the bullet and the, obviously the shot placement if you hit it in the ass come on dude i've i've actually at this point in my life now i've seen a lot of arrows go into unfortunately a lot of my arrows have gone into bullseye i, I can't find uh, bullets i haven't you know knock on wood i i haven't um not found an animal because I'm just so much better with a rifle. Like I don't have a problem hitting a heart because I mean, an elk heart is almost the size of a basketball when you look at it. And I, I know like people are going to say, no, it's not my It's like the, you know, half the size of volume of a basketball <laughs> because the average elk is this and you, yeah, got it, understand it. But when you think about like shot placement, you're actually shooting the cavitation around it. Yeah. Cavitation around the, the heart itself and the cavity in the angle of the animal, because that also depends if they're quartering away, are they quartering towards? Like, is the shoulder in front? Is the shoulder in back? Like, ah, there's a lot of different scenarios here. That thing, man, I can put that, I can put that bullet exactly where I want it to go. And it, there's a really low likelihood that that bullet's not going to be really close to the heart 
inside the 300. It is almost, depending on what I'm doing, <laughs> but it's, you know, if I'm moving and it's offhand, okay, maybe, you know, and we're at 300 yards, 300. Or 1,200. Yeah, or 1,200. Offhand 1,200. Yeah. Who'd do that? Yeah. But, <laughs> At six five, it's unbelievable. Actually, I should go get. I'll be right. You guys keep talking to yourselves. Sleeping, my Dr. Beans is sleeping at my feet. It's like it's like all dirty. Yeah. So explain to me and the audience here, like, what is going on with this thing? Like, what's this? What's the shoulder angle of that bullet? Yeah, so I mean, to start out with what what yeah. we did with the brass yeah. is there's there's three key things that we we determined were important when we developed the product. It's consistency, it's strength, and it's stability. So you can have a consistent piece of brass that's not strong. Right. Fire it once, it'll probably do okay. Um, you can have a piece of brass that's very strong but not consistent. So ten shot string, who knows? Mm -hmm. That's where you're getting these velocity extreme spreads of ninety. But what we velocity extremes of ninety. Yeah. So when you you fire ten shots, mm -hmm. you'll have a ninety feet per second spread between those shots. Got it. That means that bullet trajectory is going different, right? Every single time. So mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is is mitigate that. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we created a piece of brass that's stronger than anything that's ever been developed, and incredibly consistent. So what that means is when you fire alpha brass once or forty five times. It's moving less. The brass is flowing less. So it means you're getting incredible consistency across the life of that brass. Where other brass, every time you fire it, it's flowing. Mm. And every five firings, you might have to redo your, your load. So you're, when you're talking about the flow of brass, are you talking about when it heats up? What, no. Well, what, uh, what no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was, so are uh, you talking about like... What, it'll, what actually, about? it'll actually, this piece of brass, when you fire it, will get longer. Stre oh, it stretches and moves, and so right. and and how that pressure forms out into the brass. It's you're going to get case head case head expansion. You're getting the neck expansion, and so you're just getting natural physical movement and plastic deformation of the brass. And so it's not just from the heat that does it. It's 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 just the the force of it, right? Because brass seals in the chamber. That's the that's why brass is such a great material. And you know they have all these different bimetal cases, the plastic cases. We have all that nowadays. And there's something inherent with brass because you want the strength and rigidity of it but at the same time you need it to flow and move and seal to the chamber and that's why you really haven't seen any major um you know invention or or, or yeah, breakthrough that, with it that that's that's an interesting topic which is why haven't you seen a a, a change in is there a better material but it's just cost prohibitive Gosh, brass is so good you haven't really? no, no one no one's found it so what what we did is say, okay, let's let's see how far we can push this strength yeah. to where we get close enough to say a steel cased. And so we're 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 involved in some programs now where they're we've made some special things for certain people and they're testing it now and it's running. Mm -hmm. It's running in a rifle that was designed to shoot at seventy five thousand psi, which a normal AR is you know fifty two. So what increases the psi? The strength of the case. No, well, more, more powder. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, so they're just overloading. Yeah. The, they're not overloading it, but they want to turbo load it as much yeah. because they want to increase the velocity. So when they increase energy. velocity with the same size mass, which would be, I mean, you're fairly, you're, you're restricted based on caliber. You can mm -hmm. only increase the mass so much. Yep. 
then you're going to increase your cavitation rate or increase mm-hmm. the type of damage that you'll create at, at any distance because you're going to increase velocity. Yep. Yep. And if we right. can do it with brass versus <clears throat> these very expensive bimetal cases, you know, you're talking a dollar versus three or four or five dollars. So right. that means the end user can have more ammo available. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's been kind of a, a, a it's really what we're founded on is, 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 is this new technology of the, of the brass. And so it's, it's, um, the precision community has adopted it because it is so stable and so consistent. So you can take this stuff out of the box and it's been done dozens of times. And it's, it was always a taboo. You cannot shoot brass, like we call it virgin when it's brand new. Really? Yep. You want, you want to fire form it in competition. You don't want to shoot it in competition because it's inherently every single piece from other old manufacturing techniques, they would be slightly different. So your, your physical dimensions, the brass, you know, the shoulder angles were different. The length of the shoulder was different. So your internal combustion area volume was different. And so if that varies, that's going to give you different projectile trajectories. And they fire form it all out, uniform it, and it uniforms to your chamber. Then you size it with a die and you get everything. But we, we take care of that in manufacturing. Mm. So this brass goes out and wins competitions virgin all the time. We actually have customers will call us and be like, I only want to shoot your virgin brass because I cannot rework it to shoot as accurately, which is like the complete opposite of what the industry used to be. You had to reload it to get it to the true accuracy or the best accuracy, whereas guys are like, virgin is the only thing I want to shoot. Wow. It gets, it gets, it gets expensive. Yeah, I can imagine. Wait, what, what, are, what are the differences between steel and brass that make brass so much better metallurgically yeah so the the nice thing with brass is that um when it's you can have it soft enough where it's gonna plastically deform and seal to the chamber uh and then you can have head strength of the case hard enough when hardness is a technical metallurgical term yeah um and you look at you look at that and you you can create that transition from very hard heads to soft mouths through different annealing practices so that you, you it's the perfect union of metals because it, it, to work correctly, when you pull the trigger, right? It, it kind of takes a fundamental understanding of how what happens when you pull the trigger. You pull the trigger, primer goes off, it starts to ignite the powder, you get expansion, that neck has to seal in the chamber so that then it's gonna force that pressure down back behind right. the bullet and out. Like some yeah. people don't understand that. Um, but you can't, Metal cases, it doesn't happen as well. Like you don't get the expansion right. And then also with brass, it's a bit in the weeds, but you're going to grip to the chamber walls. Brass is an extremely abrasive metal. And so you get good coefficient of friction and good good um, force actually into the chamber so it doesn't just exit out on your bolt face. So, right, if, you know, when that round that looks kind of like a cartridge goes sure. off, it goes bang, it hits that back of the bolt, but also some of that force is taken up by the chamber wall. In metal cases, you don't get that transition or uh, the transfer of force into the chamber walls. And so you have a high, much higher force in your bolt, uh, bolt, which is going to cause damage. But brass is just such a, it's, it's the perfect metal. That's why it's been it. used forever. Like they've tried right. plastic ammo forever. They've tried the bimetal ammos forever. Yeah. And nothing has ever really performed as well as brass. Huh? That's interesting. Have they tried titanium? Could they even use it? Is it too brittle? Or, or um, they... I that's probably way too expensive. Someone might have tried it. They do a lot of stainless steel and aluminum cases. There's yeah. a couple companies that do that. Um, the titanium, I don't think it's going to probably have the as much. I mean, it does flex pretty well, but drawing it out and forming it's going to be really, really. Oh, challenging. I'm not talking about doing things at, at, at mass production. Mass yeah, production. They, I'm they just may. trying to find like. I don't know if there's anything that's ever 
that right now, I mean, we can we can adjust the hardness in the neck and shoulder of this case by by heating it. Where steel, it's it's opposite, right? Yeah. So you, know, you heat and you weaken, you harden it, and you make it stronger. So so it, it's just it's just the inherent properties of brass, which is why it was chosen to begin with. And right. what they thought is there was a theoretical limit of of what brass was capable of doing, and we've kind of turned that on its head. So. It's um why or I shouldn't say yeah why like why have you done it and then two like how so <laughs> I we started the company and and again it's like it's it's the win for us is the product right like if we we looked at at brass and it's not bashing any company every company makes good enough brass but when you looked at the brass that had all the titles around the world in competition it was a European company yeah and so like well. That's why? Bull, that's bullshit. Like why? Why? Why, why did they? That's Lapua, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're, and they're they're fun. I mean, we talk about Germany all the time. Yeah, they're so good at metallurgy. Is is it, so essentially what they've done is they've dominated the the we'll call them the brass space based on the metallurgy technology that they've developed. And that was their quantum leap. Like when that we, was it. We when we looked at all the different brass manufacturers out there, American, European, um, you could. You could see physically from the data, Lapua was totally different. Wow, really? Totally different. Oh yeah. If if we showed you like the grain structure images of it, it is totally different. Yeah. How do you, how do you like, when you're talking about the grain structure images of brass? You you, you guys developed? Did you you developed like an X-ray machine specifically? No, no, no this, it's, or is this you, different. No, you can no. go to any metals lab and. Oh, you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So standard testing stuff. Right. We were dumb enough to. To buy a bunch of equipment we didn't know how to use. Cool. Knew nothing about. Going go <laughs> the deep end. Nothing. Like, I mean, Rickson, go have fun. Yeah. We knew knew nothing, and and one day I think I walked into Andrew's office and like, the product's very consistent, but it's not good enough. Yeah. Let's throw away Everything. all of our tooling. And let's start over. Okay. We learned a lot though. Like that. That's. We, it was a big learning curve just to get it dimensionally consistent, and like Tom said, we were like, you know, the product was pretty dang good. But we didn't have that like extra factor, which is the OCD, which is when we made that big change. And the win, the win is, and, and you're the same way. Like it's the product, mm-hmm. like the win is the product. And so, h- how do we, how do we take a company that's owned this market for so long and they make a f- phenomenal product? The bar's high. Yeah. And we, we jump so far over it, that that it it, it changes the industry. And that that was the the ultimate goal. So, we. Probably took an unconventional approach to it, and there's a lot of um, proprietary things that we do. Yeah, but we're able. I remember that day, like we looked at the metallurgy, and we're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, <laughs> you could see it. You're like, mm. "Holy shit!" How do we do that? But if- and then we started testing it, and mm. it just, it's. I mean, the swan song of this thing was just a few weeks ago. The German proof house was testing our brass against arguably what was the best brass. They vaporized that brass in the testing, and ours just kept going. Whoa! And they just they just gave up finally. They just gave. Up. <laughs> <laughs> they just said, "Screw it." We went to eighty thousand psi with complete functionality of the weapon system, and it was that's unheard of for brass. It didn't even look like it was damaged. No way. Yeah. So what what, what does that mean for a shooter? For 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 precision shooting, it means a lot. So the last three years. Um, it's not the brass that's that's obviously doing it. We we have we're fortunate enough that the best shooters in the world have chosen our product. Mm-hmm. 
because they feel it, it works the best for them. Right. And so we're now the most winning brass in these competitions. We're taking world records. But what does that mean for, for you when you go hunting? It, it really means that, let's say that gun gets wet or you get a bunch of dust or adverse conditions, you're, that brass is still going to function. Right. You get, a, you, you get ammo wet and you don't know what's going to happen. You may lock your bolt. You're going to blow the primer out of the back. So it, it increases that operational window. And then if you reload, <clears throat> it, it, it just, it, it, you can, I mean, I, I have someone that did a live test on camera and reloaded it 45 times and just stopped. So in, in privacy, he's reloaded up one piece of our competition brass 200 times. What? So, so you look at the price of our brass compared to that. We're the cheapest component in any piece of like loaded ammo. Primers are nine cents. Powders, you know, for probably forty-ish cents a piece, and bullets yeah. are fifty to seventy cents. So we we sell a premium product, but it lasts, and it's right. more economic for them to use it. And more importantly, we did it here. We mm-hmm. did it in in America. You look at the the global market, and I don't, I don't know what the U.S. is for global ammunition. It's got to be ninety-five percent, right? Just just because we have the Second Amendment, and so seeing the best products in the world made overseas wasn't, wasn't acceptable. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% get that. I think, and it's nothing against um, foreign manufacturing because there's, there's a ton of they make high quality. Stuff. Yeah, they make, they make great things. I did think that like having a sense of American manufacturing and then, you know, community, mm-hmm. we should be dominating everything shooting related internationally and there's zero reason why we're not. The yep. only reason is is that somebody hasn't picked it up and said, you know what, we're going to do this here. And we have all the resources in order to do it. Do we have the technology, the skilled labor force? What, what kind of reloading systems are guys using? Are they using like Dillon 1050s? Are they? Can you do this with a Dillon 1050? Not the base one, but you, you can't. Can, you can modify it. Guys will. Guys will. Guys will modify things. So a lot of the stuff our our customers are doing and the way we load is is all one single stage. Mm-hmm press. And so there's been huge advances made by like companies like area 419, right? They have a new press out that's, that's built in. It's so precise that lets you make perfect ammo at home. We're buying powder drops that are made by small companies that are designed to drop one kernel of powder. Like you're not going to go buy that in the store. No. So it's, it's, it's known within the community. Um, yeah. Who makes that? Do you know? There's there's a few companies that make them. There's um there's a company out of Canada that mm-hmm. makes a really good unit we use. Um, there's a you know these things are ranging from say fifteen hundred dollars to four thousand dollars. But our RCBS is like a big big yeah. name, and they came out with a cool one for like eight hundred bucks. That's does it at home. It's it's more. I don't want to say it's a budget version of it, but it is. Well, it's actually it's interesting because that's a good point because they've they've looked at what's out there in technology and they're saying let's try to match that so everybody can go buy one. Yeah, right. And Hornady's doing the same way, the same thing with these. So it's it's pulling the whole market up to the, get better. So the advancement that the precision shooting world has had in the last ten years is unbelievable. The growth of like optic systems, like Schmidt and Bender, used to be one of the best optics. Yeah. And now they're not. Like there's so much better glass out there. Like you net. You never see, well, I shouldn't say never, but you hardly see Schmidt and Benders on the line in these competition worlds anymore. So who's dominating in optics now? I mean, Leupold's doing a phenomenal job. Like right. you go to a match and I would say probably 50 to 70% of optics. It's probably the most winning optic now is is, is the new Leupold Mark Their 5s. glass, right. the glass they have is phenomenal. But Night Forces, the new Vortex Gen 3s are yep. 
amazing. And they build like tanks. It's it's so cool to see all these 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 U.S. companies come out with these optics now that are rivaling and beating previously. You know the Europeans, which were which were. They're still. I mean, think about Swaros, and yeah, you're not going to beat a pair of Swaro binos. No, but you're not. But they sure. have. You know, now you look at it, five years ago, it was it was a lot of German well, Austrian optics, and now mm-hmm. it's all. You look at like the, just the tripod you got sitting there, like really right stuff tripod. That's an American company right here in Utah, Lehigh, Utah, right? and they took what they were using in like cameras for filming in Hollywood, and they're like, you know what we're going to do with this? We're going to stick a gun on it and shoot long range, and they're building these, you know anywhere from $1,000 to way up higher than that, tripods. And you go to a rifle match, every single dude's got one. Right. And they've got all the attachments for it. they got all this other stuff. Like it, it's the, the gear that they're coming out with is phenomenal. It's just improving the shooting performance um, from triggers to stocks to, I mean, you go to the competition now, like you have these chassis where you're adding all these weights to it. They've got different thumb rests. Now they have a piece. It's like they can talking about like, stupid amounts of going down the rabbit hole. They have little supports for your trigger finger so that you can't pull it as much. So there's a little like <laughs> 3D printed pad that they'll put on the side Are of the gun. Are you serious? Gu- oh, 100% dude. You know and for pistol shooting, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that flinch, they're trying to get rid of yeah. any other variable. Right. You gotta hit something at a mile. Yeah. You can't, you can't, like one little wrong trigger pull, you're done. They've got auto levelers that you put on your scope that will be flashing lights and it'll be like red is out of line and then you line it up it goes green you're like okay send it and you take the shot oh that's cool because if you're I off like angle that. at yeah, 1200 yeah. yards is not the right elevation yeah, yeah. You're, you're screwed you're, you're gone yeah like, we, we did this with with the girls you, i think there were seven at the time mm-hmm. you put them behind a fully comp dasher yeah rifle and they're they're whacking out to 600 yards easy with easy 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 and with, your girls are like six years set one now seven at the time, yeah. <laughs> like so, I, I, I put Nara out to a grand yeah. when she was eight. Yeah. Like my, my my daughter shot out to a grand when she was eight, and she's just like, whatever. She went back to playing, yeah. playing, doing something. And she like three rounds. Like I was like, ah, slow down your trigger squeeze because she was she was kind of yanking it a little bit. It's like just slow it down. You know, put the dot here. Bing. Okay. And then she just got up and yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Okay, thanks. All and right. dudes that are 30 have never done that in their life. Oh, no. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, how many people do you think in the world have ever shot out to a grand? Like, Some people hit it, like, accidentally. But, sure, yeah. But, like, but we, to we actually out, go out there and do it. Yeah. We were out shooting. I was talking to somebody who was a very proficient shooter, and I said, you know, let us, let's help build you a comp rifle. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good with this. And we were shooting up to 1,200, and he's not hitting. So I'm like, here. Bing. Bing. And he – we – Stand around, he looks at me and goes, I, th- I think I should build a comp right <laughs> That day that we went up, we went up to, to Deseret and we shot up there for the afternoon. I don't know how many, how many rifles do we have up there? Uh, half a dozen at least yeah. that we were shooting on a regular basis. And yeah. we're all like, my, I, I, I like how I introduced the variable of like offhand or standard <laughs> shooting because we're all like, I'm like, Laying down shooting sucks. Like yeah. it's just like well, I mean, yeah, you guys, like people love to geek geek out on it, and I love it too. In the in the context of like, sure, math works. I already know it works. Yeah, like, math works. It works. As far as I as, as as far as I know, if you've done all your other math right, and then once you plug the math into the gun, like math works hundred percent of the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. As, as far as I I remember, right? But like. When you're standing and guessing and you got to like send your first round from offhand, <laughs> you're yeah. like trying to do the math in your head. You're like, all right, well, what the fuck? Where do I put this round? How do I guess 
as to where I need to put this based on wind. And then now I have to compensate for movement as well. Mm-hmm. Dude, it gets spicy. Well, you, you we, walk- we probably, we probably burnt a thousand rounds of ammo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you walked right out of the truck. You walked up, lean the gun up. You're like, what's the range on that? I'm like 300 yards. I didn't see you turn a knob on the optic. Nope. Didn't, didn't turn a knob on it. <laughs> yeah, ding. Like a, and then, then what, two hours later and a thousand rounds later, you're shooting at a 1200 yard target. <laughs> yeah, <off hand>. yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, I don't think there was much prone shooting at all. No, no. I, I think that's like the fun part of it, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can have your cake and you can eat it too, right? Then that's we started, shooting, we started shooting pistols for distance at like a hundred, 200 or yeah. nine mil. And like, that's fun for me. Yeah. Like that, that's when things start to get really interesting. We could tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what, what's your, what's your rifle that you were using my, up there? That's my, my hunting comp rifle. It's my seven saw. So it was a cartridge developed by um, Clayton in West Texas ordinance. Huh? And it's essentially, it's like a, it's like a Creedmoor, but it's a seven mil Creedmoor and it's pushed forward a little bit. It's a, it's a wildcat that's now not so wildcatty, but, um, it's a great round. I was pushing 162 ELDM at about 2850, uh, super accurate. It's got a cool reamer design to it. Uh, it's called a board, uh, board rider style reamer. Um, it's, it's a little unique to what is standard in industry, mm-hmm. but the thing hammers, I think you were going to take it. You had it. Didn't I give it to you for your um, deer hunt up in Alaska? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Cr- no, because we weren't going to shoot outside of basically 50. Yeah. And I was crawling around in basically the rainforest in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. And this thing weighed like 20 pounds. I was like, that's, that's there's no fucking way I'm going to do this. Yeah. But like point taken, right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's. Oh, the thing's crazy accurate. So what's the difference then between like, obviously the caliber, but mm-hmm. this round and that round. This is, so like your typical six, five, uh, the seven saw, we push the shoulder forward. Mm-hmm. So it's get a little more powder capacity. And, um, in all honesty, that's about it. Seriously? Um, that's yeah, about it? It's, it's, okay. You push the shoulder forward a little bit. You get a different length neck. Um, but it's just, you use, you can use like 4350 for powder or Varget for powder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very accurate case. Uh, it's kind of more based on the body tapers a little different. It's more based off of like a six, five, four, seven or six, five by 55. Um, and it, it's, it's just, I think it's more in the chamber that makes it shoot well. Yes. Yeah, some, some cases just, they end up being so inherently efficient. Yeah. And it depends on powder volume capacity. There's a lot of things that you go on the rabbit hole with, but this right. is one that just ended up being just insanely accurate. Wait, and so what's the six dasher then? The six dasher is a way shorter version of this. Uh-huh. It has the same body diameter. So it's your 308 base case head. And then it's, um, what's the overall length in it? Like one, 152? 154. 154. So this is all 308 base head. Yeah. It's, These all, are. it's, it's all 308 based. It's all 308 based. Mm-hmm. And then you're making adjustments. How many different variables do you think that are out there based on a 308 base? Of like oh, different calibers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and on oh, thousands. Because every on, on yeah, for wildcats. We get yeah. we get asked for wildcats every single week. Well, you get dudes like back in Mont, like the Dasher. What was his name? He was from Montana that created it. Um, I can't remember his name now. But he was like some dude up in Montana that just wanted to start shooting, and he's like, I'm going to draw up this special, you know, reamer. He called up a reamer company and said, Hey, make me this. And it's never been made before, and th- this happens all the time. People will just be like, I'm going to change this one variable. I'm going to try it. And then they'll fire from the brass out and shoot and be like, oh, that sucked or, oh, that was great. And they'll just keep testing and trying. I mean, there's, I mean, there's probably an unlimited amount of cartridges out there. Um, just from wildcatters, crazy dudes that sit in their basement. Comp comp shooters, what you'd call early adopters. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll take a rifle that is 
it's shooting tenths and it's all dialed in and they're hours of their time into it. And the next season you're like, yeah, I'm going to do something totally different. I'm going to do something different. Totally different. I'm going to throw that out and I'm going to start over from scratch because, because it's what they love doing. They like the tinkering. They like that aspect of like, I want to change this. I want to do that. I want to learn, learn something new. Yeah. Where where do you start when you, let's say, you know, I'm I'm listening to this podcast and I'm, I'm like, where do I start to like, Pull the pull the, the thread on the sweater here on the like, what, precision forums. Like, where are you going <laughs> to forums? Are you there's like, some good knowledge websites? out there? Like, where, where do you where do you go to start? Accurate shooter, like, I would say accurate shooter forums probably one of the best for competition world. That's yeah. it's good people on there um, that have good knowledge. It's not like Facebook forums where it's right. just like your average Joe is just like, oh, you should do this. Right. Um, I um, go. I wouldn't even go to the forums. Really, I'd go to a match. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd go to a match and I'd hang out and have fun with 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 right. the guys and girls your kids and the amount of knowledge you're going to gain from just one match right you're 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 going to be pointed in the right direction and you can start with any caliber in a match i mean you look at some of the top shooters they're, they're running 6.5 creedmoor you can go buy yeah. hornady 6.5 creedmoor off the shelf take your you know whatever hunting rifle you have and go shoot it i mean the hunter series um the one up in idaho the snake river matches they're great matches um seth had I think it was 40 new shooters at the one match at just brand new, never shot a match before. And they, cool. they went out there and they shot it. Now, did they do well? No, but I can tell you what, they probably figured out what they need to learn, what they need to do to be a better hunter next year. And they, and that's the thing. They came out with their hunting rifles. They yeah. didn't come with some comp rifle. They came with their hunting gear with their bino harnesses and all that. And they're like, what's going to work? And they figured it out. Well, that I, th- I think that's a really important point. Just go out yeah. and plug in and start talking to people shaking hands and basically build the network around that. I think that's so important. And also don't be afraid to fail because yeah. you're not going to like, nobody's going to judge you. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to go out and be like, Oh, I can't believe you brought out your, you know, pile of dog shit that you pulled out of your closet. They're, they're not, they're going to be like, well, Hey, these, these are the things that might help you develop if you're really into this. And then the next time you're going to get better. And the next time you're going to get better. And the next time. Yeah. The, the intimidation factor, it's very intimidating. You it know, is. You're, you're going to mm-hmm. walk up and some, some guy that's been doing this for six years has $25,000 in gear. Mm-hmm. And you walk up and you just brought your rifle from your safe and a few things. Well, walk up to that guy. That guy is going to loan you everything Anything. he has. Yeah. 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 And, and you're going to cut that learning curve down because you're going to end up buying stuff you don't need. If you go off the forums, you're going to be listening to people that aren't giving you good advice. Where again, it's like, get out in the community, bring your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's the way you're going to figure this whole thing out. And then it's reps. Get mm-hmm. out and get reps in, and you're going to find every issue in your platform. Yeah, I can't. I can't agree with that. That more. I mean, the first match that I went to, uh, that was four years ago. I don't know. We yeah. were four years ago. Match. Yeah. Put the Scooby-Doo van out <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I would love uh, that. They asked me to build a stage <laughs> and I bought a $500 van, <laughs> painted it like Scooby-Doo and put a smoke machine in it. So people had to hot box in order to shoot. <laughs> and it was the loudest, worst fucking station. Cause you're inside of your inside of van, <laughs> yeah. which by the way, I did yeah. intentionally. Cause I'm like, I'm going to fucking ring their bells. Right. Like nobody, nobody likes that at all. Especially with <laughs> like, heavy brakes too. Oh, the brakes so pushes it back yeah, in. Cause I'm like, yeah, you guys, your brakes you're gonna have howitzers in there and it doesn't matter because even if you've got the barrel out of the van it, it still, still like, comes back oh, yeah. it's like it's like somebody took a 
took a fucking sledgehammer to the side of the van and just started bashing. Didn't it break down too? Didn't the truck like trying to take it home break down? Hell yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah man, it's five hundred dollar van. It bought it off KSL. Had one of the guys paint it like a Scooby Doo. It says like Black Rifle Coffee on it. We'll put a we'll we'll put a photo in the podcast. Where is it? It's out back. You still have it's, it? Yeah, it's still here. I, I just I they they. They, they wanted like 1700 bucks or some shit to put a new transmission in it. And I was like, well, let's wait for another PRS before I do that. And we'll put it back in there, back in the fight. We'll put it, it has to go take a photo of it outside and you can add it to the podcast and you can take a look at it. The other thing I wanted to bring up was like, you have a video somewhere of you just scooping grass out of like a bucket or something like that. And then deep. Oh, so yeah, we, um, <laughs> we were, it's hard because you got to make sure these people don't do this at home. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. by the way, yeah. I, I, the standard disclaimer out there, like, please don't listen to me on most of this stuff. Like, if I tell you to go do something, you should go do it, which is like, go to a PRS yeah. match. Don't do what Tom's just about ready to tell you. Yeah, don't, don't, do, don't do what we do. But no. we, 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 were, we were doing some testing, <laughs> and we were giving a presentation to a military, and we're like, okay, let's, let's find the limit. Yeah. And we couldn't find the limit. So finally, I'm like, screw it. I just literally just started scooping brass into the case and just compressing the load down. And we ended up shooting. It was a, we were doing 6.5 Creedmoor and 22 Creedmoor. And we were shooting like 75 green bullets at 4,100 feet per second. And the the, bra the brass wasn't failing. So we're, we're, you know, we're laughing hysterically. And uh, you just, you just, we couldn't find the failure point. I don't think we failed an uh, OCD piece of brass ever. Are our, you serious? Our test, like, well, yeah, we've locked a couple. I did accidentally. <laughs> I um, I don't know what I loaded in it. In all honesty, I think I did something <laughs> stupid. But I, there's an action out there that's like unbreakable, and the primer pocket had deformed so much it pushed the primer out, and, and usually the, it's like a nice cup. The whole web had pushed into the primer pocket. Area. Oh wow! Yeah, I kind of shit myself on that one a little bit. I was like, ooh, that was close. We we. We're professionals. <laughs> but I didn't die. <laughs> we, we, we need to do this level of testing. So yeah. we're just sitting there looking at each other like. It was like the 260 right? test we did. We were doing some high-pressure 260 testing, and we were just like, fuck, load a mag up, and let's see. And so I got my 260 out, and like this stuff is high-pressure for a gas gun. I was like, just run through it. I was like, gah, 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 just shooting as fast as I could. And it worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was shooting at Seekins. Like, See, the which Seekins. Is super funny. Because uh -huh. he told me, he's like, what were you doing? I was like, I just loaded it up in a... <laughs> Seeking six five in uh, its AR platforms. <laughs> well, it, it, so like, we loaded some high fuck? pressure. We loaded some high pressure ammo. And generally, gun. you don't run bolt gun ammo in a in a gas gun. <laughs> this is like yes, unless you give this ammo to me. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's load it up with Seekins, man. <laughs> but if you were to do that, I would recommend a Seekins. Yeah, it's a good bolt gun. They have, yeah. they have a really good a good platform. And I was like, and I was I was just like waiting for you to say something bad happened. But you're like, two elk. <laughs> done. <laughs> done. I was like, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Up. Well, we to be fair, we only shot one round of piece in both of those elk. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> and there's one of the guns, and I can't figure out which one, but one of the guns doesn't like it. So... It, if you take if you take the suppressor off, and it doesn't matter because it has an adjustable gas block. Yeah. But one of the the rifles doesn't like it. Yeah. It, it will not run on it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. One of it devours it. Yeah. One likes it. One likes it. One doesn't. Exact same rifles, by the way. They're both six five AR platform Seekins. Mm -hmm. Same adjustable gas block. Same settings. Everything doesn't matter. Suppressor on. Suppressor off. Like one just eats it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. Suppressor on. Suppressor off. Fucking 
loves it. The other one will not, will not put together uh, two or more. Won't, won't do it. So it's it's, it's shooting. One. You buy five barrels mm-hmm. from the same company and they'll shoot completely different. Right. But that's that's where, you know, you got to tune it. You got to you got to dial it all in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's very it's very common in this industry where where something will work in one platform and then just won't. You know. If you look at the Bentress crowd, they'll go out. We've got Bentress competition shooters that shoot our stuff. They'll buy 30 barrels to start a season, and they will chamber every single one, break in every single one, which is, you know, 150 rounds at least per barrel. And then they'll be like, this this barrel's my best shooting one, so I'm going to use it for the final. This one's my, you know, the late part of the competition season. They'll pick like five barrels for the comps and then be like, those are all practice barrels. Well, they'll just throw them out or sell them. Holy it's, shit. It's crazy. And that's 800 bucks a barrel. Right. And then loading to break it in, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. But we're, we're getting to the point now where all that technology, and, and I think seeing that there's now a Hunter series that's spun off from mm. PRS shooting is showing us that everything that you have in this rifle was 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 designed and built from PRS comp rifles. That right. action, you know, the, the genesis of that action is a, is a competition action. You can right. take the bolt from their competition action and put it right in that. Right. And it'll run. So now what they're seeing is now we're, we're taking all this – know-how and technology, and now let's bring that into hunting. Mm-hmm. And so hunting is so fragmented. you got a million different cartridges people people load. Well, there's like there, there's been this mentality for a long time, which is P for plenty, right? The bigger the cartridge, the better the yeah. cartridge. And that's just – there. there's some validity to it because obviously when you think about um, <clears throat> technology 30 or 40 or 50 years ago and – you know, they were making really light barrels. Like I, I couldn't even hold a fucking group with my dad's Remington that he bought in like 1967. Like it wouldn't even hold a group out to a 150. It's a brand new rifle, basically. 30 out six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't hold a group. So, I think there's something to be said about the the accuracy and advancement of technology because P for plenty used to be, well, dude, if this thing isn't really that accurate, I better put a big fucking <laughs> hole in this because I'm gonna have to. And, um. Now, I think we can start to adjust based on what we've just talked about. We can say, well, great, let's shoot for precision. Let's make sure this has the cavitation that it's going to need in order to stop the animal. I've shot everything with this thing, like coyotes, pigs, elk, deer. I have shot everything that I can shoot with this rifle, unless it's a bad shot. Like I shot a coyote in the ass and I had to put another, like, I had to put another round in him, which I was surprised. I mean, it knocked it like it, 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 he did a cartwheel from like 150 Mm -hmm. and then he kept rolling. And then I saw him like a day later. (laughs) (laughs) I put another one in him. Kyle's a tough man. I put a, I I shot the shoulders out of one. Like he was on a jog in my uncle's field and I shot off the truck and it just put, knocked both his front shoulders out. And that fucker got back up on his hind legs and was just dragging his front shoulders yeah, along the ground. And I had to put one into his head to kill it. They're yeah, tough they animals. They're tough little animals. Yeah. We, uh, when you took that, the, the seven saw to Alaska, <clears throat> we were going to loan that to Colin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I felt he, bad too. Cause I took him out. I was like, here's your dope card. You're ready on it. All that. So we're, he's going, he's going to shoot a mule, muley. And we're like, what are we going to give him? So we handed him my comp gun. A twenty-five pound <laughs> comp gun, chambered in a cartridge called called the Six GT, which won the PRS this year, and it was developed by George Garner and, and Tom Jacobs, and 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 we kind of launched it with them, and it's stupid accurate. Yeah. It's a little tiny guy, and he just came back. He's like, "Yeah, double heart shot at it." Of course, 
and, couple long, yeah. And just yeah, we're yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. he goes back, that gun's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that was a full comp gun with comp ammo yeah. with a comp bullet. But, but but we were very, very confident in 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 the precision of that rifle and where he would be hunting. Yeah. That it was it was gonna well, I told, I told him like a couple days before and I had taken that gun out just to do some like load testing because that was actually our, our load development stuff I was doing. So I, I hadn't shot too much, but I shot like a three-quarter inch group at 300 yards with that ammo. And I was like, wow, that's pretty good. It should take out a deer. And I gave him the dope card. I'm like, I know where you're hunting. You're going to be driving up anyway. Like it's not too big of a deal. And he said when they did practice, they, they, they did like practice shooting at 300 just to see how well they could shoot. He stacked like three rounds right on top of each other and they were like definitely the most accurate gun out there. So when I was looking at what is that? Who is this guy? <laughs> like, think he's some like like a like assassin? No, he's he, <clears throat> Colin's like yeah, he's a former cop, and he's like a he's been here now for a few years. He started here as a barista, and then he was like my EA, and now he's working in marketing. So he's like done the full. I was actually, I was in the car and you called him when he was in the car and it was like, you're organizing like flights for like trying to get to Alaska for your hunt. And yeah. he was just like, Oh, I got to find this out. He's got to do that. I'm like, Hey, we gotta go shoot. Come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's my, uh, my assistant, but, um, all right. Where can they find you guys? Alphamunitions.com. Alphamunitions.com. Um, Instagram. If, if, uh, if they'll let you Facebook, cool. if they'll let you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, You'll have to type it all out because I'm sure it's like shadow ban to shit. Or mm -hmm. hashtags of uh, shadow ban, everything yeah, shadow ban. Exactly. But, yep. Yeah, um, you can see terrorists on the website, but you can't see American shooting guns. Yeah, you can't do that. That's mm -hmm. crazy. <clears throat> awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, Appreciate thanks for having it. us.